0: If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would, uh, find 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. And as you're finding that, I'd like to read a card to you this morning. With warmest thanks, grateful hearts, and a deep appreciation for your thoughtfulness. Thank you for the kindness and love shown over the last few weeks for my grandparents. From the prayers, snack boxes, and the greatest blessing, the building of their ramp. Although they belong to another church, your love for others knows no walls and no boundaries. That is from the Higgison family. And so it is always our privilege to love and care for people. No matter if they have a church home or don't have a church home or if this is their church home, Jesus tells us to love one another. If you have your Bible, I want you to do something with me. I want you to look at it, and I want you this morning to make sure that you see the fact that chapter 30 comes after chapter 29. Uh, The looks and responses that I got from the first service and some of the people that were in the first service, you would have think that I found chapter 30 out of the middle of nowhere and decided that this sermon was the one we needed today. But if you have your copy of God's Word and you can see that chapter 30 comes after chapter 29, would you just say amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, and this morning if you understand that I did not write the Bible but that God did, would you say amen? Amen. And so today when you leave and you're angry at me, you will understand that you need to repent and get right with God. Amen. Okay, that is going to help me a lot this morning. But uh, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of the sermon is Don't let fear lead you to a dangerous place. And today I want to talk to you about the simple fact that fear is not something that you can deal with one time and it's gone. It is a struggle that will continually be with you and your situation for the most of your life until you get to heaven. You see, I want you to look back in chapter 29, verse 11. And I want you to see how David was probably at one of the highest points of his life. So David and his men rose early and departed in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. If you remember, David was in a terrible situation. He was in a situation where he was either going to have to fight against Israel, his own people, God's chosen people, or he was going to have to turn on the Philistines. He had no choice, no options, but yet God had delivered him. God had gotten him out of this difficult situation. And the thing that I want you to think about this morning is this simple fact. That if you let fear cause you to make decisions, you will find yourself in emotional, spiritual, and physical places that God never wanted you to be. And when you're in those places, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, there will be consequences that you and I do not want to have to pay. And so you say, well, Jake, what could go wrong? I mean, David's been spared. The the soldiers are happy with him. I mean, everything is good. They have avoided heartache. But I want you to see this morning that David and what they're getting ready to go through was caused by his fear some 14 or 15 months before. This morning, I want to caution you that sometimes the consequences of our decisions do not come to roost until much later on. And so if you would stand with me, I want us to read verses 1 through 6 this morning as we see from David going from victory to to the mountaintop to the valley. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 30, it says, Now what happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that's where David lived, that's where he had fled to in the Philistine territory, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughters, but David strengthened himself, and the Lord his God. Pray with me. Father, today as we come, Lord, we know that all of us have trials and tribulations. We have struggles, difficulties. Lord, we all have sinned. And today, Lord, I pray that you would help your servant to just preach your word. Lord, not concerned for the outcome, but Lord, just trusting you. Father, I pray that you would help my own emotions, my own fears, my own thoughts to be pushed to the side, and Lord, your word be proclaimed. Lord, I pray for the lost, the discouraged, the prideful, God, whoever is here today that needs a touch from you. And so, Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want you to picture this situation with me. David and his soldiers, uh, 600 of them, are, are celebrating on this journey from. Uh, where they were at, back to their home, and they're probably thinking, man, David, we really got out of a tough one there. I mean, they're probably celebrating, they're excited. And I don't know if you know this, or not. I don't know how far they would have noticed the smoke rising up from Ziklag. But what I can tell you in as Dahlgren is, you begin to understand who started a fire and where. And before you get there, you can say, well, that looks awful black. Somebody's burning them some tires. Or you might even say, "Well, that's a little different shade. That even—that's probably some furniture. Somebody's burning them a mattress. They must have tore the tag off, right? You know, you—you you just know. But you always hope what? Oh, I hope someone's house is not on fire. And usually, when you get there, it's not right. Somebody's burning 37 days worth of trash or something. You know, it's just a big fire. But when you first see that smoke, what happens? Usually, your heart drops just a little bit. You're thinking, "Oh, this could be really bad." And can you imagine what they would have been thinking? They'd have been celebrating, they'd have been excited, they'd have been thankful, and yet they get within distance of Ziklag and they see the smoke begin to rising. I don't know what would have been going through their head or what they would have thought, but they probably thought, like most of us, that, hey, it, you know, it's something. But as they arrive to their homes, their homes are gone, burned to the ground. They know that their loved ones are not there because there are no dead bodies. Now, you and I don't understand that as Americans, but if you were to go to Africa today, you would still see this. Whole cities being captured and taken into slavery. And I'm not going to talk to you about the specifics of what happens to women and children in slavery today, but you can research it and the way they're treated. And this is what David comes to find himself. He goes from the highest moment of being spared to having everything that he loves taken from him. And you say, Jake, this is just awful. What did David do to put himself in this situation? Don't miss this. Fourteen months before, David was afraid of Saul. And he left the nation of Israel and he went and he found a home in the Philistine land. Friends, this morning, I want you to know that the decisions you make out of fear will take you to places and cost you things that you never wanted to pay. I'm going to give some specifics today, and if I upset you, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I'm sorry. Today, if you and your wife are roommates but don't love each other, you have emotionally checked out. You're in different places emotionally than where God wants you. There are some of you here today that do not want to be here. You just don't want to be here. You don't care about church. You don't care about the things at church, but either the person you live with, or someone that you know, or some reason you came. Maybe just to keep them from bothering you to death. Some people come to church so we don't put them on their prayer list because they say, if I come to church and act like a Christian, you won't pray for me to get saved. Don't worry, we still pray for you whether you come or not. And so, sometimes spiritually, our fear or sin causes us to be in place. And sometimes It's emotional. Sometimes we quit jobs, even though we know we're not supposed to quit jobs. Even sometimes we move, knowing we're not supposed to move. But the things that we're going through cause us to be in the wrong place at a time that God didn't want us to be there. And you see here what's going on is David's men who were just celebrating him are now saying, let's stone him. This man led us here. This man is the one that brought us here. This is the man who has caused our heartache, our daughters and our wives and our sons to be kidnapped. And they weren't kidnapped by godly men. These were wicked, wicked men that had captured them. And so if you're a father today, a husband, you're probably beginning to imagine what could have been happening to these people. But I want to take you to another part of scripture that fits the same purpose in Luke 15. Most of you know the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, starting in verse 11, the Bible says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger one of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He divided them his, to his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And they wasted his possessions with prodigal living. You see, sometimes we live in fear to avoid problems. And sometimes we go to the wrong place out of the wrong motives. He wanted his inheritance. He wanted to spend it. He wanted to to enjoy it and and to live a full sinful life. And just like David, he had consequences too. He gets there and he parties it up. And when the money runs out, his friends abandon him. There's a terrible famine that affects the land. And he is living literally with nothing, eating with the hogs, has nothing. And all that could have been avoided if he had just what? Stayed where he was supposed to be. Knew his place and purpose in life. And so this morning, I want to show you three things. Because this morning, sorrow comes to all of us. Hardships, difficulties. Whether it's your sin that is affecting you or someone else's sin. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. In times of great sorrow, turn to the Lord. You see, David had a choice to make in this time. He's lost his wife. He's lost all of his possessions. His men have turned on him. And what does he do? What is his answer? Look at verse 7 with me this morning. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail recover all. So David went, he and six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor where those stayed who were left behind. You see, David hit the lowest point here, and what does he do? He turns to God. Now, you have a choice to make. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but at some point in your life, your sin or your mistakes or your fear will bring you to a place of needing something. This is what David could have done. David could have said, God, why did you do this to me? I was faithful to Saul. I've been faithful to my men. Why am I in this position? Could have blamed God. He could have then said, well, I'm not going to blame God, but I'm going to blame Saul. Saul's the one that run me out of town. Saul's the one that chased me down. Saul put me here. And why is this happening? It's Saul's fault. But what it says there, that David strengthened himself in the Lord. What David does is he comes to God and he says, God, I I need you. Lord, I've sinned and I need to hear from you. Do you know this is the first time in multiple chapters that anybody has tried to find out what God wanted? Saul tried to find out what God wanted through the medium. David moved into a different country because that's what he thought was best. And finally, when every blessing is taken from David, then he says what? God, I need you. I want you to hear this today, Christian. If you let anything come before your relationship with God, God will eventually let you lose everything until you come back to Him. Everything. I'm telling you this morning, God will take every blessing from you when you make it an idol in your life. When there's hidden sin in your heart, when there's wickedness that comes into your life, You say, Jake, it won't have consequences, it won't have effects, it will. And what happened is David had ran from God. David had put everything else more important instead of what God wanted. And God says, David, I'll take everything from you so that you will remember who I am. Today, friends, if you're here, you're lost. I want you to know something. All the things you're filling your life with can never bring you real joy, can never bring you real peace can never bring you the things that you need. And so there will come a day when your health will fail. There will come a day when you won't have enough money to buy the things that you want. There'll come a day when the people that you are relying on to bring you happiness in relationships will fail you. And friends, in that day, when the rug is pulled out from under you, there's nothing. But this morning, I want to show you this. David had a choice to make. And friends, today, you have a choice to make. David could have said everything was everyone else's fault, but he didn't. He said, God, I need you. And so, friends, when a great sorrow comes, you have to make a choice to turn to the Lord. And David hears here from God that, you know what? Everything's going to be fine. You're going to get it all back. You say, well, wow, preacher, if I just give my life to Jesus, I'll get everything I want. No. I want to show you another passage of Scripture involving David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David has sinned. He has had an affair with Bathsheba. She has gotten pregnant. He has killed her husband, Uriah, through a military action. And in this moment, God does something. God allows the child to be sick. And if you know anything about this story, the child dies. And in this time, David could have said a lot of things. David could have said, God, why did you make women so beautiful? You know how they are. Woo! It's not my fault. We hear that in our society today, don't we? He could have said, well, what's Bathsheba doing running around the bathtub at night naked? It's not my fault I'm a creepy man up on the edge watching her. It's her fault. She shouldn't have been like that. Which the Bible doesn't say that she did anything wrong, by the way, when it went to going to the bath. But this is what David does. Friends, this is the choice you and I have to make, starting in verse 15 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. You see, David said, God, I need you. Lord, I'm coming to you. God, I need to hear from you. God, I need you. Well, in 1 Samuel 30, God gave it all back. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the child dies. You see, friends, what we see here is David realized something. God, I need you no matter what happens. God, I, don't, I need you no matter what the results. God, I need you no matter what is taken from me or given to me. And this morning, you're going to have to come to that realization in your relationship with God. God, you're enough for me. God, I love you because what you did for me on the cross, through the resurrection. That's why I love you. I don't love you for the blessings. I'm thankful for the blessings. And anyone that wakes up in the morning and says, I don't play for God's blessing is a liar. I pray for God's blessings on my children and on my family, on my marriage and on this church and for you. I pray that God would open up the windows of heaven and bless you. But friends, I'm telling you, if Jesus is not enough as a savior, then friends, he's not enough for you. You're loving something else about him. And so today, whether it's six months from now, eight months from now, 12 years from now, when everything seems to fall apart, when your sin begins to catch up with you, when the consequences of someone else's sin affects you, the choice you have is to turn to Him. Second thing I want to show you this morning from this passage of Scripture is in times of great sorrow, don't just turn to the Lord, but trust the Lord. Trust Him. And trusting means... Obey. Look what it says starting in verse 10. And we're going to read quite a bit of this, but I really want you to hear that it's God saying it and not me. Starting in verse 10, But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Don't miss that, that 200 couldn't go with them. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake, of figs, and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread, nor drunk water, for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb and we burned Ziglag with fire. Don't miss that. This man was there when they burned the city and took the women and children. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to his troop, this troop. And when he had brought him down, they were there, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines, from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all the the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughter, spoil or anything which had been taken from them. David recovered all. And Don't miss this verse. Then... David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. I don't want you to miss this. You and I have a choice to turn to God and then to trust Him. You see, David's men could have said, you know what, David, you have wronged us. You led us into this, this, this heathen land. You're the one that had us march with the Philistines. And we've lost everything. And they could have picked up stones. And you know what? I've never stoned anybody, okay? But I have a feeling if I was angry enough, it would be enjoyable. Just say it, And I'm sure every time they would have hit David, it's, this is for my wife. This is for my kids. This is for all my livestock. You have ruined my life. And David would have died. But you know what would have happened? They'd have missed the blessing of God. You say, well, Jake, I don't throw stones at people. You know, you can do that other ways. You can do that with your emotions by hurting people that you love by the things that you say. You can do that through the rumors that you spread about other people. You can do that in so many ways by responding in anger and in vengeance instead of letting God fight your battles for you. Now think about this. So they they let David live And they're following where they think they went and they found a guy. And this slave man, this Egyptian says, oh yeah, I was with him. What do you think their first response was? Let's bring him in and feed him some raisins. I mean, that would be my thought because that would be punishment, all right? Suffer through the healthy food. But that's not what they thought. They extended mercy. And this man ends up telling them, yes, I was there, but I will take you to your family and friends. You think there was any people that when they found him said, "Stone him!" He was there. He might have taken my wife. And in that moment David showed mercy. You see, friends, over and over in this story David has a choice. To trust God in obedience or to respond in his flesh. And then what happens? This man says, "I'll take you. It's not a problem. Just swear to me that you won't kill me." Or turn me back over to the heathens I was with. And they get there and David and his army defeats the enemy. Gets back his family and all of these people's family. You say, Jake, why was it that he went to God to find out whether or not he should go attack? You would think if someone stole your family, you'd go after him, right? Well, I don't know, David's too wise. That might have had something to do with it. No, that's a joke. That's just a joke. Because I want you to hear this. Anytime you go to war on your own, there is always collateral damage. Don't don't miss this. This this is really good. You might think your anger is at that one person, but what you're saying might not just affect that one person. It might be your kids that watch how to be vindictive and learned it from you. I tell you, I try my very best, and I don't always do a good job of it, to model what kind of husband my daughter should want someday and how they should expect to be treated. I don't want them to learn how to be treated like a a worthless piece of trash because I treated their mother that way. I want them to know that they're valuable, that God made them, that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And that's modeled. And so what we see here is David is, is modeling this act of mercy and grace and But I want you to see something here. What did David receive? Everything they lost. And then what? Everything else that had been stolen. You see, these armies had been attacking all kinds of towns. Taking all kinds of livestock and all kinds of stuff. And what God does is this. Don't miss this. God is so merciful and so good to David. That even though David was in the wrong place for the wrong reason even though David was chasing the wrong things for the wrong motives, that God not only restored what he had, but gave him more. And friends, you need to know something. If you can let go of whatever sin is hindering you, if you can let go of that unforgiveness, if you can let go of that pride, if you can let go of that hurt, if you can let go of that fear, God can replace it. With not only what you have given up. But with exceedingly more. You see if you're here today. And you're lost. You're not going to understand this. But there is something that happens to you. When you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. The world is full of people. Trying to get over the guilt of their past. The shame of their mistakes. But you know what? There's only one person. Who can take that guilt and shame from you. And his name is Jesus Christ. You know how he takes that shame and guilt from you? Because he went to the cross. He died for that sin that you're carrying with you today. He died for that unforgiveness that you've got in your heart today. He died for that sin that no one else knows about, that you are so embarrassed about. He died to set you free. We have a world full of death, people are terrified of dying they'll spend millions of dollars to make themselves look younger and feel younger and and, and try to live as long as they can. But friends, there's only one place where you can conquer the fear of death. And that's at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus alone conquered sin and death in the grave. And the Bible tells us that He has went to heaven to prepare a place for those of us who love Him. And so friends, you can extend your life, you can You can make it longer, but friends, there is no way to overcome death other than through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You say, Jake, what about all the other problems in life? What about all the other things that I'm afraid will change if I give my heart and life to Jesus? I'm telling you today that sometimes God fights your battles with blessings, but I also want to show you that sometimes He fights it in other ways. In Exodus chapter 14, The children of Israel have been freed from bondage. And man, they are making it well. They are are moving away from Egypt and something happens. They come right up to an edge of a body of water. Nowhere to go to the right. Nowhere to go to the left. And nothing in front of them but water. Something happens. They look behind him and Pharaoh is bringing his army after them. You're probably familiar with what they said. They said something like, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? There's graves in Egypt. We're here on the side of this body of water in the desert and we're going to die. They were complaining and fearful. Listen to what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19 through 23. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that one did not come near the other all the night. God gave them protection, which they needed. They couldn't get to him. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Moses just needs God to deliver them. He protects them, he dries the ground, and they get across to the other side. God has met their need, just like he did with David. And just like David, David had more than he needed, but sometimes you don't need more blessings. Sometimes you need God to fight your enemies for you. And what happened to the Egyptians once they got down into the bed of the sea? The water came back. You see, God did abundantly more than they asked. And Friends, this morning, you need to know this. You can turn to God, but you've got to trust Him. That means as a Christian, I know that God's going to fight my battles for me. I know that God's going to provide what I need. That means no matter the difficulty, the pain, the heartache, the challenge that comes before me I am going to trust him with whatever I need and the third and final thing this morning as we're looking through this passage of scripture you've got to trust God in great times of trouble you had to turn to him but third and finally in times of great sorrow don't forget the Lord in times of great sorrow don't forget the Lord we're going to start in verse 21 and read through the rest of the chapter Now David came to the two hundred men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you, do not, you shall not do so what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hands the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies, they shall share alike. For it was from that day forward he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jittire, those who were in Aror, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtemoah, those who were within Rakal, those who were in the cities of the Jeremites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in Hormah, those who were in Koroshan, those who were in Akath, those who were with Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to row. And don't miss this, the men are celebrating. We didn't lose anybody. Not a child, not a wife, not a not a sheep, nothing. We got it all back and more. And then they show up to those 200 men who didn't go fight with them. Now, we don't know exactly why. We don't know if they were exhausted from the trip back to Zilglag. We don't know if they were just emotionally and physically wore out because they had lost their wife and children. We don't know. But for whatever reason, they couldn't go. And David comes back with all the spoils and all the celebration, and guess what happens? Some of the men who went to battle thought, huh, they don't get nothing. They didn't go with us, they didn't fight for us, they didn't pull their weight. And friends, that's the way it is. Let's be honest today, we've all felt that way. How many times have you thought, well, I've overcame my trials and tribulations because of my ethic and my work hard and my go-getter attitude so many times i hear people say well jake i've been blessed by god because i i pray a lot or i read my bible a lot and i come to church a lot and there are blessings in those things but i don't want you to miss what david said here because this is so true for each and every one of us in verse 23 david says some of the most profound words that you and I can apply to our lives. If we're not going to forget God. But David said my brethren. You shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Friends today if you have blessings. It is because God has given them to you. You say oh Jake I went to college. I worked hard. I made this money myself. God could have took it from you Immediately. And this morning, you need to understand something. However God has blessed you, whether it is monetarily or whether it's with talents or whether it's with gifts, you need to know something. God never gave them to you for you to hoard it and for you to accumulate it. God gave it to you so that you would remember that I have been given much and it is for me to give much. You say, Jake, you shouldn't preach about giving. I'm not talking about money. And if I wanted to preach about money, the Bible talks about it. I ain't scared. But what I'm telling you is this. We have become a culture of accumulation. We've got to have more stuff. We've got to have nicer things. We've got to have bigger barns. We've got to have bigger houses. We've got to have bigger bank accounts. We've got to have more. And what we've forgotten is that God gives it to us. And we should be thankful. And we should be grateful. And we shouldn't listen to the socialist who says that it's your responsibility to give it all away. Because that's not biblical either. But friends, as a Christian, you ought to be the most generous person that you know. Because God has been good to you. It started at salvation. Friends, you ought to love lost people. Oh, I don't know. I know they don't vote the same way we do. Think the same way we do. Talk the same way we do. Watch the same news networks that we do. But friends, you better love them. Because if it was not for the grace of God, so you would go. You say, well, Jake, you just don't understand what it's like to live with. My, my spouse is stubborn and hard-headed and difficult. And, and, oh, I just tell you what, I just want to scream. Well, go outside and scream and then come back inside and remember something. God loves you and you're all those things as well. Don't give up on them. You say, well, Jake, I, you just don't understand. I, I've, I've done so many things. I've been so good. I've tried so hard. Look up here. Don't quit trusting God. But don't put yourself on a pedestal. Don't put yourself up in a place that, well, it wasn't for me. Look up here. If it wasn't for you, it's a dangerous thing to say because God will take you out and show that he can do it better with someone else. That's how God is because God is the giver of life. God is the giver of all good gifts. And what these wicked men said is they're not going to get nothing. I don't want you to miss something. The Bible doesn't say those who were hurting too much to go were the wicked ones. Now, the Bible talks about not being lazy. And if you want a sermon on lazy and working hard and getting a job, I can give you one of those too. But this is not what this is about. These people were broken. They were hurting. And they went unable. Friends, we need to be compassionate to those that are hurting. We need to weep with those that weep mourn with those that mourn there's a difference and what we are watching in our culture is because of the internet and because of a lack of relationships we genuinely think that as long as i like your post about losing a loved one that's walking with you or i commented praying for you on your facebook or twitter picture that that is weeping with those that weep but it's not we have to care for people enough to walk with them and talk with them and pray with them and sit with them and whatever is needed to help them when they feel like they can't go on. But it goes on and says, but why should we be thankful? One, because God preserved us. He protected them. But not only did He protected them, He delivered into His hand the troop that came against us. You see, this morning, friends, you need to know something. Don't forget God when he delivers you. I see it all the time. People will be in a bad spot in their relationships. They'll be in a bad spot in their physical health. They'll be in a bad spot financially. And boy, they will come to God in that moment. Right? They'll they'll need the church. They'll need the things of God. And God will bless them. God will fix that relationship. God will find them that job. God will heal that sickness. God will take care of it. And the moment that God has blessed them. I don't need that. I got what I needed. Got what I wanted. And they forget who God is. And Moses is telling the children of Israel. And I want to close with this. In the fourth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. He's telling them some instructions to be careful. He says, only take heed to yourself. He says, only you are responsible for this. I can't be grateful for you, to God. I can pray for you. I can be thankful that God has brought you into my life. But I can only show gratitude to God for myself. God, thank you for being good to me. I can't make you appreciate God. I can't make you be thankful for God's blessings. Can't do that. He says only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you what's that word forget forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. What is he talking about? God's goodness. God's blessings through the deliverance from slavery. God's providing of manna from heaven. God working and moving. And he says, Don't forget who God is and what he's done for you. And then once you're thankful, you're to do what? Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. The thing that I see about our church and most churches is this we have stopped being grateful to who God is and what he does for us. You say, Jake, what do you mean by that? I'll just give you some examples. And if this affects you, I'm sorry. There used to be a time when we knew God had been so good to us that we wanted to spend time with Him through Bible study, prayer. And God's people did. They would study God's Word because why? God's been so good to us. He's blessed us. There used to be a time when we knew God had been so good to us that Sunday came around, the Bible said worship. We were going to worship. Now, it might not always have been in spirit and truth, but we came. We were going to be here worshiping with God's people. It used to be that our national and civic life, we used to make laws and decisions understanding that God had been good to us. And I believe our country is more blessed than any country on the world. I believe God's got bigger plans for Israel than us, but blessing God has been so good to us. There's nothing more we can want in this country that God has not given us. But what has happened is our relationship with God has grown cold. We don't read, we don't study, we don't pray like we used to. Church is, is great as long as there's nothing else to do, nothing else to, to go on, it's, you know. And for our country, we've just abandoned God completely. Whether it's schools, administration, you name it, we've abandoned God from everything, tried to drive Him out of everything. What's happened is we're not thankful for God anymore. We have forgotten his blessings on us. And it unless this church, and I'm talking to you and I today, get back to a place where we can say, God, you have been so, so good. God, I don't need anything else. I just want to thank you. And that becomes my heart as an individual. Until that comes my heart as a family, until our family can say, God, you've just been so good to us. Until we as a church can say, God, we're not worried about these little things and petty things. You've been so, so good to us. Until we as a nation repent, turn back to God. Which starts in these buildings, not in the White House or the State House or the Congress. It's here, God's people. Until that happens, friends, you need to know something. God's judgment is coming. Not just to our country. God doesn't have to bless this church. You say, oh, Jake, we've been here 200 years. We've got the prettiest but weirdest looking sanctuary I've ever sit in. It, you know, it's beautiful. God don't have to bless us. That's how it is in your spiritual walk. I, uh, Lucas, is he in here somewhere? Lucas Jones, is he in here? He's here somewhere, somewhere. But anyway, him and I were eating at Ferris's this week, and it had been a rough, rough week. And, uh, I uh, was pretty discouraged, and we're sitting there, and I'm getting ready to eat my hamburger steak, my baked potato, and salad. I'm trying to eat healthier, cutting out bread and snacks. So, Mike, you've ruined me. But anyway, um, sitting there, an 87-year-old lady comes up to me and says, uh, hey, you know, we talked about the Lord the other day at the hospital, and I made things right with the Lord. I said, absolutely. I said, I was just so blessed. Thank you for calling me. She goes, you think you'd baptize me? I went, (laughs) Oh, I'm fat, that hurt. (laughs) I'm going to break break my mic box there. I said, I I should, (laughs) you know, I'd love to. And so I'm praying that this Wednesday night I get to baptize her. I'm going to go try to talk to her about this Wednesday night very soon. Lord don't have to do that. Lord does not have to bless your family. Lord doesn't have to do that. But today we need to remind ourselves that if God has blessed us, he deserves the praise and the honor and the thankfulness. And God will continue to bless and work. But it's not because of our goodness. It's not because of what we earned. It's because we are thankful for who he is. And so this morning I want you to see something because you might be thinking, well, Jake, I've I've led my family astray. I've led myself astray. You see, even though David led himself to a pagan land to serve a pagan king, when it all fell apart, and David turned back to God, God what? Heard from heaven and intervened. You might be saying, Jake, our our marriage is just too far gone. I've done too many things, said too many things, which too far, it's not. Today, if you can come and say, God... We need you. The Lord can not only repair what's been broken, but he can add to it. You you say, Jake, uh, I've just made a, a lot of sinful choices in my life. Made a lot of decisions, said a lot of things. I'm so far from God today. There's no way he would welcome me back. No matter how far you've wandered, friend. Today, God is saying if you'll return to him, he can restore and add to whatever you've lost. Same way for our church. Same way for your marriage. Same way for your situation. But it's going to take you doing something this morning. Being honest enough to admit to God. Lord, I failed you. Most people will die and go to hell because they cannot admit to God that they have a problem. That problem is sin. Friends, you might be talking the right way, acting the right way, thinking the right way. You are a sinner today. The Bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Today you need forgiveness. You might not think you deserve forgiveness or you might not think you need it. But friends, the Bible says you are in desperate need of it. The Bible says that our sin separates us from God and that the punishment from sin is an eternity in hell of eternal damnation. You say, Jake, I don't believe in, in hell. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. You're wrong. Jesus talked about hell over and over again. The Bible teaches it. I've heard people say, Jake, you shouldn't preach about hell because it might pe- people get saved. Well, whatever I preach, or the Lord saves people. and If he chooses to use that, praise the Lord. But friends, today, you are separated from God, an enemy of God, but he loved you so much Knowing every sinful thing you'd ever say or do or feel to die for you on that cross. To hang there between heaven and earth taking the wrath and judgment of the Father knowing that you'd fail Him. Today if you're running from God He knew you would run and died for you anyway. That's why the Bible says He did not die for the righteous but the unrighteous. And today if you're here and you're lost and the Spirit of God is convicting you You can repent and turn from your sins and come and find forgiveness and hope in Jesus Christ. You say, Jake, I'm already a Christian but boy, I sure have made a mess of things. I've led my family the wrong direction. I've led my marriage the wrong direction. I've I've led the people I work with astray. Friends, all you got to do is be like the prodigal and come home. You say, oh, Jake, it's been years. I've been a terrible husband for years. I've been a Absent father for years. I've made a mess of things for years. All you got to do is come home. You got to come home. You just got to do what David does. David was sitting there with his home gone, his family gone, everything gone. There was no farther he could go. And he said, Lord, I need you. And today that could be you. You might be here saying, Jake, well, I don't want to come to the altar because I don't want people to think I need the Lord. Well, here, here's something for you. Maybe you're at a place where you look back in your life and you say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to me. I'm so glad God's been merciful to me. I'm so glad that God is long-suffering and patient. I'm glad that God puts me in the palm of his hand and nothing can separate me from him because I need him. Maybe today you just want to come and thank God for your family, for your wife, your kids, the fact that God has provided above and beyond what you need. But today I want you to know I'm going to be standing right here. I have the word of God with me. And I'd love to share with you that God's waiting for you to come home. Or God is waiting to forgive you and bring you into his family. And if I can't help you, there's other people that would love to pray with you. If you're a female and you're wanting to get saved and you're not comfortable talking to me, there are lots of ladies that would love to talk to you. If you're afraid, well, Jake, someone's going to be talking to you and I don't want to interrupt that. We've got other men that I will call on that would love to come down here. And talk to you about salvation. Or pray with you. But let God have his way today. Don't leave here carrying the same baggage. And the same heartache. The same fear. That you came in with. When God says you don't have to. Pray with me as you stand. Father I thank you so much for your word. Lord I pray for those people. Who find themselves today Lord. In a place where they never thought they could be farther from you running from you lord convict them and bring them back father for those that are at that place where they're trying to make decisions on where you want them to be or what's going on in their life today lord don't make let them make those decisions out of fear but let them make those decisions out of faith but father today for those that are lost in this place and i know that there are here in this place lost people today lord that your holy spirit would convict them lord and show them Of their desperate need for you. But that you love them. And that you've proven it on Calvary. Lord show them that you're the only way to heaven. That there is no other way they can be saved. But through you. Not through me. Not a Baptist way. A Methodist way. A Catholic way Lord. But through your son Jesus Christ. Father I pray that you'd heal and restore and work today. For your glory. God I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus name.